Welcome to the podcast Israel and Christians Today. This podcast is brought to you by Christians for Israel International. Join us on a journey as we explore and discover God's love for and His promises to Israel and the Jewish people. Our goal is to understand Israel and world events from a biblical perspective. Enjoy this new podcast episode. So, Johannes, let's pick up on this question of uh, the Jewish people in the land. We, we finished and talked a little bit last time about the idea that the, the connection of the Jewish people in the land has some sort of biblical significance. So I'm, I'm keen to explore with you um, h- how do we look at the land from a biblical perspective? So, for example, at the moment, there's this whole discussion uh, about so-called annexation of the land, right? This is the, the, one of the big topics on the table. The Israeli government recently announced under Bibi Netanyahu they intend to apply Israeli sovereignty to um, what's called Israeli settlements in the Jordan Valley and everybody got very upset and angry because they think Israel's annexing land and that's illegal and now there's a peace agreement or a so-called normalization agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates And Israel has said, well, we won't now apply sovereignty to the land. So my point is, it's it's a very topical issue. Now, um, Israel, I don't want to get into the the legalities here, but I'm thinking, does the land, can we say that what we call the Holy Land, Palestine, uh, Judea and Samaria, uh, the, the mountains of Israel, these have a biblical significance uh, today. Is, is it, can, can we say, for example, that uh, God is, is bringing the people, the Jewish people, back to this land so that they can settle it? Is that part of his purposes or is the land not so relevant for us today? Mm-hmm. Um, let, me, let me maybe start off with my academic theological background. What we more learn as, at, at theological academies or universities is to use and to view the Bible as a historical document that was written 2000, 2500 years ago and okay, we may draw our conclusions from that, but it's not something that has been written for today. That means the author, 2,500 years ago, did not write it for today. And at that point, I personally um, uh, take my listeners, my readers normally into another direction. I divert consciously from the commonly accepted academic tradition. And I I do want to make that clear, and I I want to say a few words about why I'm doing this. The one thing is, and I think all the topics you touched, maybe we should also touch then and and expound in further series, but, but the one thing that is really 
interesting and extraordinary is that the whole world today is focusing on this little land of Israel and of this Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And you have to understand that the United Nations are wasting more time on the Israeli-Palestinian or Israeli-Arab conflict than on the rest of the world together. And I can take, let's say, the Human Rights Council. I can take UNESCO. I can just count, just count resolutions. It's amazing. And then you look that, that uh, Israel has the size, if I take the federal state in Germany of Hessen, I don't know, you Dutch should know it, yeah? But normally people don't know about it. It's about the size of Israel. Nobody knows about Hessen, but you know about Israel all around the world. And it's, the other thing is, the second thing is, it's not just the focus, but it's that people are so adamant that this conflict has to be solved. I actually, it was for me as a journalist, when I, uh, it was in the, in the beginning of the 2000s, that the wall was built. And we had to call it the wall, even most of it was a fence or is a fence. And it was only after some months dealing with the wall in Israel that I realized that there were walls all around. There's a wall in Cyprus, and on the one side is, is NATO, and on the other side is the European Union. You have to, you have to really digest that. And the interesting thing was in Israel, I could take pictures of everything. In Cyprus, I was not allowed at that time to take pictures. Even though on the one side of the world was NATO, and on the other side, European Union. And then I went into Lebanon, and there was a gate wall. And I wasn't allowed to take pictures. And then I realized there's a wall on, on the southern border of the United States. And there's a wall on the northwestern border of India. And you have walls, 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 and nobody talks about it. And now I could talk about the significance of the conflict and, and the land and all that, you know. It came up in a way, why is it so extraordinary that people migrate? They migrate all, we are all productive migration. And do you know, I mean, we always talk the unsolved uh, Israeli-Arab conflict and think that borders have to change and land has to go away and whatever. Um, did you ever think that there's an unsolved European conflict and that we are always bothering how to solve this European conflict? And by the way, the borders in Europe, if you just think about the Brexit, even the borders of Germany have more recently changed than the borders of Israel. So why the focus on Israel? And there are much more people in Europe involved than there are people in Israel involved. So that's an extraordinary fact. And then if I look, go back to theology, there are statements in the Bible that cannot ex be explained out of the old historical context. And there is even things that, that uh, the angel, for example, says to Daniel, seal this book, it's the future times, and then John, the seer in, in Revelation says, open this book, don't seal it, it's for now. We see that there are heavy revelations for future times. Okay. So, and then I have been reading the Bible as a journalist all the time next to it. And there were things that just, just 
fit and that uh, that that bothered me also. For example, why are Europeans so adamant about a two-state solution? Why are they so afraid that Jews could steal land? Why are there not more Europeans who are afraid that Arabs steal land from Jews? And I can prove as a journalist, you tell me what to show you in Israel today. I show you as much land that has been stolen by Arabs from Jews than vice versa. Why are people so adamant about the two-state solution? We know in Europe that the time of the nation state seems to be over and we are trying to work on, towards a multinational state in Europe. And we know we have to live together and, and kind of form our future together. Why are Europeans not coming to the people in the Middle East and saying, listen, the nation state idea was a nice try but why don't you try to live together? Why try to, don't you try to, to, to form some kind of, look, we are trying now for 70 years and we are talking about the Greek and we're talking about the Spaniards and we are talking about the British and we are Brexiting and, and, and changing borders. Just be a little bit more relaxed. And it's, it's amazing how, so, so this is what's grabbing me and this is what, if I, if I think about the land is what, what does this land make with people who think about it, who touch it, who try to get involved in it? That all sounds quite political and, you know, it's, it's caught up with modern politics. And, and I hear uh, Christian leaders, prominent Christian leaders, you know, from the Anglican church or the Protestant church. And they say, well, God's not interested anymore in particular bits of real estate or territory. His, his universal, uh, Jesus came for all people. Um, so the, the Jews claim to the land is, is something that can't be explained biblically and we shouldn't explain it biblically. That's the kind of view that they yes. that they have. So we shouldn't, as Christians, get involved in the politics of the Jews. How do you see that? Do you think that's a correct interpretation of the Bible? There is a few answers to it. The one answer is, did you ever realize that we European Christians and Asian Christians and African Christians already might, might think differently? But we European Christians are quite unique. It actually is a fruit of the enlightenment that we separate between state and church. If you, I, I, I think it's, it has to do with God's humor that he brings today Muslims into Europe. And if you get to know your Muslim neighbors, you will realize that they are not even able to separate between religion and state. It's one thing. And for the vast majority, of this world's inhabitants, it's one thing. I sometimes try to challenge theologians and say, show me where in the Bible it's written that God loves all people, as you just more or less said. But it says God so loved the world. Now, is the world people or is the world territory? If it says God so loved the world. If we go back to Abraham, where the whole story with Israel starts, the first thing when electing Abraham was not human rights, was not 
Abram's personal liberty or development or freedom or even salvation that God touched. But when electing Abraham, the first thing he touched was his connection to the land and to his father's house. And he said, I will give you a land. I will show you a land. So the land from biblical thinking is so central that when God starts his salvation history, when he starts a history with a single person, I will not disagree now that he wants to save him. We agree on that. Yeah. But when he wants to save him, when he wants to deal with him, the first thing he touches is not food, is not his wife, is the land. And I think we are making a mistake. We are kind of going into a philosophical nirvana. If we think we can ignore the land and ignore the importance of the land for us as human beings. God doesn't do that. Can you say something, Johannes, about then what that purpose is with the land? Uh, are you saying that, that God is now somehow, um, I don't know, redeeming the land? Is he bring, he's bringing the Jews back to the land for a purpose that is not just for the Jewish people, is what I understand you're saying. It's a, it's a huge topic. Yeah. And I am at the very beginning of discovering it. And I have to say that as European theologians or European theology, Christian theology, we have ignored it. We went in the footsteps of Platonism and separated the soul from the body and separated the real life. You mentioned last time that you were waiting for heaven. And you suddenly realized that God so loved the world that he hears the suffering, the trying out of, of creation. He wants to redeem it. It's a totally different attitude. So I have to say I'm formed by this European theology and I have to discover step by step. But let me say a short thing. Um, when Abraham asked God in Genesis 15, how do I know that I and my descendants will possess the land? And maybe he had some German uh, thought in the background. I need to build my house. I have to have a clear territory. I have to have a good bulldog that protects the territory and all that. Then God answers this question where, where Abraham asks for his, I would say in German, it's a bad word. It comes from the Nazi times, but it says Lebensraum, room to live, space to live. God answers this question in Genesis 15 and tells him, you shall know that your descendants will have to go to Egypt for 400 years, for four generations. And what he shows there is there's a totally different purpose. Not to make it short, whenever the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, was separated from the land of Israel, there was a time of grace, a time of mercy, a time that God wanted to use to speak to the Gentile nations. And whenever he drew the Jewish people back to the land, it was judgment over the nations. You see that with Israelites being in Egypt, you see that with the Israelites or the, the people of Israel 
being scattered to Babylonia and Assyria, or Assyria and Babylonia. And, and then you see it also with the people of Israel being shown, the prophets say actually in Hebrew. They're shown like a, um, a, a grain out into the world for the past 2,000 years. And what it meant is that the gospel of salvation went around the world. It's all connected. The Jewish people, and it's all connected to the people of Israel, and the land of Israel, and both being separated, God working with the nations. And now he draws the two together. You guess what it means. That's, that's fascinating, Johannes. Yeah. So that's, has that got to do with the times of the Gentiles that I think Paul speaks about, for example, uh, in Romans 11, that... There will, there will come an end to the, the times of the Gentiles. I made with your mind already what I intended to do. To just set it, put it on a track. There is a lot of, Jesus mentions it in Luke 21. Paul alludes to it. And if you're, if you're on the track and if you discover that Paul cannot talk about in Romans 11, the whole of Israel being saved without the land being touched. It's not some kind of spiritual, somewhere in our minds, salvation so we might die peacefully. The life the Bible has in mind is about living happily, not ever after, but <laughs> living, living joyfully and praisefully for the Lord on this earth, in this creation and of being raptured away from this world and 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 somehow being i don't know separated from everything god created somewhere in the air okay fascinating stuff we're going to continue exploring these issues uh johannes thank you thank you for listening to this podcast episode we'd like to connect with you online Find us on Facebook, visit our YouTube page and check out our website. For now, thank you for listening and we'd like to see you next time. Bye bye.